there are many perceptions to money. Some people think of it as this evil force, while others think of it as the ultimate goal in life. There are many ways to accumulate it, and probably just as many ways to lose it. No matter how you feel about it, money is something we all have to leverage at some point, and there's no way around it. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life. Let's begin. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Hey Startup Nation, do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own luck, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. So today we're gonna talk about the money game. So first we'll lead off with our what can we learn from this segment and we talk about Telltale Games. Telltale Games is going through some rough times and as a video game, uh, as a video gamer, nerd, or wherever you want to call me, it's something that really troubles me. So we'll talk about that from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Next, we'll talk about the benefits of delayed gratification. In this game, Startup Nation, of entrepreneurship and building a business, you have to understand that the money comes last. We'll talk about delayed gratification. Next, right before break, we'll talk about ways to make money fast. A lot of people think they're like, oh man, I need some money fast. I don't know how to make money. But there's so many ways to make money fast. We'll talk about those things. We'll go to break. And then we'll talk about good debt versus bad debt. A lot of times people have this thing that debt is just automatically this bad thing, but it's all about how you leverage it. We'll talk about that. Then we'll go to the pros and cons of capitalism. This is one of those hot topics, one of those things that people feel very strongly about on each side of the aisle. And we'll you know, get into that. And lastly, Startup Nation, uh, we'll talk about why networking, reminding people you exist and staying in your spot is super important to entrepreneurship. I'll explain later. Now, Startup Nation, you know, once again, it's International Podcast Day and you just listened to episode 76 of How to Pick a competition and once again if you if you didn't listen to the episode uh we are doing a double upload today because it's uh september 30th is international podcast day and i wanted to do something really special for you startup nation to kind of commemorate it so i did a double upload two episode uh week uh this week and so just to say thank you thank you startup nation for rocking with me thank you for rolling with me and things of that nature so i wanted to give uh, International Podcast Day, you know, really to you, Startup Nation. So that's why I'm doing that. But anyways, I hope you're ready to receive great value today and let's take flight. Now, Startup Nation, one of my favorite video game companies is Telltale Games. Uh, they created the Game of Thrones uh, game, the uh, Walking Dead game, which is a really, really good game. And they're getting ready. They were getting ready to do Stranger Things, another TV show that I love. I love all Walking Dead, you know, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things. They're all amazing shows. 
Uh, and so I was really excited that they were going to do a Stranger Things game as well. However, it looks, you know, notice I did say they were going to. It doesn't look like that's going to happen anymore, even though Netflix is going to shop it around to other video game studios. But the thing is, is that Telltale Games is actually, you know, getting ready to shut down, which, you know, to me is just a travesty because the adventure genre game is something that's really fun and a lot of people really can get into but it's one of those things where you know and we preach this all the time startup nation if you don't run the business right your great ideas or wherever the case may be they won't come out they'll get shut down or they will never see the light of day and that's what's kind of happened here so Long story short, what you know, what kind of went down at Telltale Games is that, like, you know, and they fall into, you know, they fell into this trap that a lot of entrepreneurs do. Now, granted, they have some turnover at the CEO spot, wherever the case may be. But long story short, they were signing licensing deals and new development deals extremely too fast, which means they had to scale the workforce pretty fast. But the thing is, is that they weren't really getting paid for it, you know, in time. Which means that, like, if you stretch yourself too thin, Startup Nation, you're not effectively running the business. Think of it as a rubber band, right? It's like a rubber band, if you just have it in its normal state, and if you just held it in your hand, right? It, it, it's not really vulnerable, right? You know, it, it's not really, you know, going to, like, tear or whatever the case may be. But when you stretch that rubber band, the more and more you use that elasticity, the less and less vulnerable it gets to becoming broken or wherever the case may be. And that's essentially what happened at Telltale Games, which is honestly a, a really big tragedy from a video game standpoint, not like climate change, world hunger level, right? But for those of us in the video game world that really love, you know, their games, th this is this is a this is a bit setback. And for those of you who are playing uh the Walking Dead game, uh, you know, it's in the final season. I think it was going to have four episodes this season. They did just release episode two, but episodes three and four of the final season are, are, are not clear. We're not sure we're, they're going to get the funding to even finish those uh, episodes. Now, there's been rumors that they're going to, you know, they've been in talks with other developers to kind of finish it. You know, which is kind of cool because you're really doing that for the gamer to have that sense of completion. You don't want to have a, you know, uh, you know, if for those of you who are older, you watch The Sopranos, that instance of like being, you know, uh, left on, you know, end with a cliffhanger, wherever the case may be. But Startup Nation, you know, let this be a lesson. Let this be a lesson that when you scale too fast... Right. You allow for holes in your process. Right. Think of the rubber band when it's stretched too wide, too, too far out. You leave it extremely vulnerable for something bad to happen, for it to snap. And that's essentially what's happening in Telltale Games. They scale too fast. They sign too many. They sign too many licensing deals with, you know, with companies to do their games. And then they scaled the, the workforce accordingly, but did not have the funding in place to pay the workforce. And the thing is, in the video game industry, you know, as far as like time and budgets, they're notorious for going over budgets. You know, as far as like mainly before paying the employees and the employee salary kind of puts them over the budget because, um, you know, the production takes longer than you expect it. Video game companies are notorious for that. And Telltale Games is no... You know, it's no different. 
So I'm sad to see Telltale Games go. It's really bad, but Startup Nation, once again, let this be a sign that when you scale too fast and you stretch yourself too thin, you leave holes in between that process that can be exposed and can ultimately lead to that idea never seeing the light of day or worse, seeing your company close its doors. Now, Startup Nation, you know, when we start our companies and we start our businesses or wherever the case may be, we have this notion or this idea or we just assume that everything is going to go hunky-dory. It's going to be sunshine and rainbows. There won't be no issues or whatever the case may be. But more importantly, we also think about like, man, I'm going to make money from day one. Uh, no, you won't make money from day one because that's how this works. That's how entrepreneurship works. The money is always supposed to come last. You're supposed to get like a share on social media. That comes first. You're going to get some some people to call you and email you and never respond back. That also is supposed to come before that. It's just one of those things where it's like people only do business with people or companies that they're comfortable with. So people have to get comfortable with you and know you that you're here to stay wherever the case may be. And that can be quite difficult for the new uh, startup entrepreneur, the new startup company, if you will. But if you're in your company and you're working in your company right now, as you listen to this startup nation, no, and you're frustrated. I get it. Oh man, I get it because you feel like I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste my family's time. I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I'm doing this all for nothing. But startup nation, I'm telling you, the money is supposed to come last. That's the process in this right? People got to get to know you first and then they'll start to put money in your pocket. But I want to share with you some things or some some reasons why delayed gratification, which is what this is, right? Why delayed gratification is super important. The first thing is, is that it teaches you hard work. If you've ever read and you, you know the Damon John book, The Power of Broke. And if you haven't read, I highly suggest you read that Startup Nation. It's a really good book. But when you read that book and you read what he's talking about and you read the stories of uh, Gigi of Gigi's Cupcakes or Kevin Plank of Under Armour. I think I've mentioned Kevin Plank of Under Armour in two straight episodes now. Um, but when you read those stories, they tell you that, like, you know, if you were to get like a, a, like a big lump sum money to start your company or a big loan or a big grant or whatever the case may be. It's fine that you get that money or that loan or whatever the case may be, but it makes you complacent, believe it or not. If you always had money to bail you out of something, you would never have and you never have to think your way out of a box. First of all, that's boring. But second of all, there's no way for your company to innovate. You can't innovate if you if everything is always taking care of you. You're going to be complacent, you're going to be lazy, you're going to feel like We'll always be here. We don't have to create anything new. Ask Radio Shack how that worked out for them. Ask uh, Sports Authority how that worked out for them. So when you are always upset about like not getting a sale or not getting, you know, some funding or whatever the case may be, just remember that like that's an opportunity for you, Startup Nation, to figure something out, to think about what can I do to tweak this process? What can I do to change this product? Or maybe it's not time for you to change the product. Maybe you just need to wait your time. And that's okay too. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But you can't learn that work ethic. You can't understand that work ethic piece if you're always getting bailed out with money. I mean, like, I'm sorry. You, you just can't. Uh, you know, it, it goes back to how we were at Owls back in, in 2016. 
And you know, if you if you know the story of you know how we had a had a baby boy and we lost him. Excuse me, you know, and how you know we lost thirty thousand in contracts that month. And you know, I, I can't tell you like who's to say we'll still be here, right? Because in that instant when we lost that those contracts, it forced us to think about the next step. It forced us to think about how can we sell products, which is why we opened the e-commerce store to sell our curriculums to teachers, right? It forced us to create this podcast. It forced us to create pedagogy after dark. But you're not getting that startup nation if you're always looking for money to bail you out of a situation. It's just... It's just not going to happen. You will you will lack creativity. You will lack ingenuity. You will lack that work ethic that can ultimately get you to the place you want to be with your company. Another reason that it's good to have, you know, you know, that whole delayed gratification piece in place is that it forces you to be patient. It forces you not to be, you know, impulsive and do stuff off the whim. A lot of times startup nation, when we have companies and we see similar companies, you know, doing something, and then you feel like y'all started at the same time and they're more successful than I am. And you get a little, you know, in your feelings or whatever the case may be. You have to understand that sometimes that, that success that your competitor is getting is it's, it's topical. It's cosmetic. It's, it's not sustaining, Right. Because maybe they did something that like is great for right now, but long term is going to be, you know, not so good. Meanwhile, you're building the building blocks and you're building the fundamentals of a company that can stand the test of time. 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, long after you're gone. And so, you know, always trying to chase the rabbit or chase the carrot or chase the dollar, if you will, that impulsive nature is not always a good thing. Now, granted, there's nothing wrong with like shifting something a little way to kind of get some revenue and some, you know, you know, revenue generating flowing uh, in the front end to kind of spur that long term growth that you're looking for. But if you're always trying to, you know, change something because somebody else is doing something else, that's that's not a good look. You will not be Coca-Cola. You will not be Microsoft. You will not be Apple. You just won't because all those companies have in common is the deep belief that if they focus on some core product, some core service, that eventually it's going to work. It just haven't been put in front of enough people yet. And that happens, you know, and look, I get it. Like we all have this notion to scale, 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 fast, fast, fast. Ask Telltale Games how that's working out for them right now. And now who, 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 you know, besides the people, obviously, right, who are losing their jobs and they got to, like, find other jobs and their family is going to, you know, going to have to uh, bite the bullet, if you will. But who's also being, you know, out there in the cold are the customers. You're ruining, you know, or not ruining, but you're, you're, you know, you're abandoning the people that you're doing this for in the first place, which is the customer. Now, they're not going to have... The, the pleasure of your product or service because you decided to be impulsive and now you're gone. Your company's gone, your idea gone, whatever the case may be. So that delayed gratification piece forces you not to be impulsive and to always be patient and to always think about long-term goals as opposed to short-term gains. Also, Startup Nation, you know, when you learn the concept or you appreciate the concept of delayed 
gratification, you live healthier. Now, how does that work? Well, think of, you know, it's quite simple, actually. You know, think about people who work out, people who eat properly or whatever the case may be, right? They understand that this is not a overnight success type of deal. They understand that it takes a grind and an effort and an ability to stand the test of time in order to get the goals that they want. It's like my guy Les Brown says all the time, what you become in the process is more important than the dream because what you're becoming in the process is this person that can withstand adversity, this person that can withstand, you know, curveballs and kitchen sinks being thrown at them, right? And we all know that like when you're on the the, the the healthy lifestyle of like working out and eating right, sometimes you may fall off the wagon. Sometimes it's going to be a situation where, and I don't mean a situation where like you're too, too tired to work out or whatever the case may be. You may become sick. You may t- you know break a bone or something may come up to where your kids throw you off your routine or wherever the case may be. Like those things happen. And so for people who are looking for instant gratification, when those things happen, they may not come back. They may go back to going to in and out burger every day. They may go back to going to Chick-fil-A every day. Not saying that there's any wrong with those restaurants. What I'm saying, like in moderation, like all people who are, you know, like fitness gurus or personal trainer, like my guy, Eric Cook, you know, at Express Fitness, you know, episode nine, by the way, go check him out uh, down at Olive Branch. But those people understand that this is a journey. This is a a lifestyle that you're creating, but it's also a mindset of understand that delayed gratification in this instance works best. You got to have that mindset. You got to have that mindset that not only is it the the working out part and this, that and the other, but it's also the eating right part. Just because you eat a salad today doesn't mean you're going to lose 13 pounds tomorrow. That is not how this works. That's not how any of this works. So the delayed gratification mindset is what you have to have in place. And this allows you to live a much healthier life because you understand that even on your path of entrepreneurship, but also in your path of trying to live a better fit life from a health standpoint, that delayed gratification works. is going to help you to get over those, those bumps and those curveballs that's going to be thrown at you. And ultimately, you're going to get the type of body or health that you ultimately want in your life. Now, this next one, Startup Nation, it's a big one. If you have the delayed gratification mindset, it allows you to save money. It allows you to save money. Think about that time when you were a kid and this is this, this thing you wanted. Let's say you're Dominic and you're, and you're eight, nine years old and you wanted that Game Boy, the first one, like the big fat one. You wanted that Game Boy, but you knew that Game Boy was $139 and you know for a fact you ain't got nothing but like $10 in your name. Spoiler alert, I never got that Game Boy because I did not understand the delayed gratification mindset that like I have to save and do my chores for like months and months and months and months or I'm sorry, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks on end to get to my achieved goal, right? Because a lot of you want to start companies. A lot of you want to save for your vacation. But unfortunately, there's many of us in Startup Nation that want to have it now. Can't have it now. It's not your turn. Or the very least, you didn't put in on it. And what I mean by put in on it, not necessarily money, you didn't put in the time. 
can't have something you didn't put in on. I'm sorry. That's not how this works. This is not the entrepreneurial mindset. The entrepreneurial mindset is if I put in the time, if I put in the work, if I put in the effort, and if I stick to the goal and I stick to the game plan, I stick to the process, and I have the delayed gratification mindset, I will achieve my goal. It's not rocket science. If you sacrifice the time you need or you sacrifice the instant gratification mindset, then you will achieve it. You will be able to save money and you will have a bigger bank account and you'll be able to go to uh, Jamaica this summer. You'll be able to go to France for Christmas. You'll be able to do the things that you want to do, whether that be to travel, whether it be a big purchase or even a purchase of home. Purchasing a home requires the, the, you know, the delayed gratification mindset because it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's not just saving the money for, you know, for the uh, for the down payment or whatever the case may be. I think it's like 20 percent or something like that. But it's also the fact that, you know, you got to go through this long, arduous process, which is the home buying process. It takes about like 30, 45 days, depending on who you're working with or whatever. Right. But think of it this way. When you when you save money, and you start from the beginning. It's going to suck. It just is. Okay, but just imagine yourself six months from now, right? And let's say you're saving for a home. And so let's say you save the the amount of money for a 20% down payment on a $100,000 home. And then, you know, what the delayed gratification mindset allows you to do is like, you know what? I've saved this much and I get a $100,000 home. What if I save a little bit more and get a $150,000 home? What if I save a little bit more and get a $200,000 home? And so if, when you're in an instant gratification mindset, it doesn't allow you to think that way. It allows you to think like, I got this money now. I'm going to spend it now. But long term, you're sacrificing. You're sacrificing a bigger yard, sacrificing a bigger home, wherever the case may be. So when you have the delayed gratification mindset in place, it allows you to save money. It works in your business. It will work in your job. But you got to have that in place. You just have to. Another reason, Startup Nation, that, you know, this mindset is so important. It allows you to be appreciative. Anybody who invests time into something, they're super appreciative. Think about, like, let's say you you got up at like 4.30 in the morning and you knew that day you were going to clean the house. Right. So you clean the house, you wash dishes, wash clothes, you know, wash windows, wherever the case may be, sweep floors, mop floors, the whole nine yards. And now it's, you know, six o'clock in the evening and your house is spick and span. Super clean. How would you feel when somebody comes through your spick and span mop floor and they like track mud all over the house? You're going to feel some type of way. You're going to feel upset. You're going to feel like, oh my goodness. That's because you appreciate the time and effort that you put in place And so now you're more invested to make sure it stays that way. Works the same thing in a company. Works the same way with saving money. Works the same way with like buying a house. You become more appreciative once you have, you become more appreciative when you have more time invested in something. It's just the way of life. That's how this works. It's what it is. So when the delayed gratification mindset allows you to be more appreciative. And lastly, Startup Nation, when you have the delayed gratification mindset. And lastly, Startup Nation, when you have the delayed gratification mindset, it forces you to be more appreciative and confident in yourself. Because one of the hardest things to do for a lot of people is to fight impulses. And so 
when you do this, it allows you to understand that there are other things you can accomplish. Because, you know, for, for me, seeing is that, you know, I feel like I can start a business and, you know, and keep a business sustaining, whatever the case may be. It's allowed me to be like, you know what? If I've done this, maybe I can tackle another fear. Maybe my fear is public speaking, like we talked about in how to pitch, a, uh, how to win a pitch competition. Maybe I have a fear of public speaking. You're like, you know what? I'm going to tackle that now, right? Or for I've recently started like cooking, right? For the longest time, I felt like I can't cook, whatever the case may be. And so since I've built more confidence in myself, now I'm going to be like, I'm just going to try to make something. And the first time I made something wasn't half bad. I've made it since then. It was like extremely better. But that's just one of those things where it's like, you know, with with time and practice, it just got better and better. Same thing, like I said, you know, with how to win a pitch competition where if you want to get over nerves, like practice, 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 and that builds confidence. Works the same here. And so when you have the delayed gratification mindset, you it allows you to be more confident. It allows you to try more things. It allows you to be more adventurous and have more experiences, right? But also it allows you to gain those experiences and teach it to somebody else. Now that person sees you as credible on a multitude of things. And now those people are going to always come to you with, at the very least, not for your advice or something, but they're going to advise you, ask you for your opinion on something. And who doesn't feel great when somebody asks them for advice. I mean, come on, let's be honest here. What I am saying, Startup Nation, is that the delayed gratification mindset is one that not to scoff at. The delayed gratification mindset is something that if you possess it and if you harness it and if you use it, you will be a better entrepreneur. You will be a better husband, wife. You will be a better father. You will be honestly a better person. You just will, Startup Nation. So Keep that in mind. Let's ditch the instant, instant gratification mindset and let's embrace the delayed gratification mindset. Now, Startup Nation, you know, a lot of times I hear a lot of people saying that like, I don't have enough money. I'll never have any money. I, I need to get some money fast, but I don't know how to do that. Well, it's like I get it. Like you know, a lot of people don't feel or don't see just how e Oh, my goodness. It's so easy to make money in this country. It's not even funny. Like if you... Like, there are people who get paid to talk about sports. Like, if you ask Charles Barkley, he feels like that's the biggest scam in the world, but somebody pays him for his, his opinion. And so when you think about that, think about something in your life, Startup Nation, something that you like to do. How can you monetize that? There's all, I like I said before, and I say it again, and I say it to anybody that comes to me. I feel like there's a business idea in everybody. I feel like there's a business inside of every single person. I believe that. It's just a matter of figuring out what you like to do and how can we monetize that. It's that simple. It's a two-step process. Let me repeat it again because it's so easy. What do you like to do, number one? And then number two, how can we monetize it? It's really that simple. Now, there's nuts and bolts to figure out, right? But at the heart, at the base of it all, it's just those two questions. What do you like to do? How can we monetize it? It's really that simple. But for those of you who you know are still trying to figure out what you like to do or the case may be, but and you need money now, let me share some things that are some ways to kind of get money really fast, really quickly. One of the first ones is real simple. Do you have a car? There you go. Uber or Lyft. Pick one. It's really that simple. You know, I, I have a few friends who are Uber and Lyft drivers and they, they love it to death. They like it. They really do. Um, another one is like if you got some old books at the house, sell them on Amazon. 
Amazon's always looking for good books. You know, people are always looking for good books to read. And not everybody's like myself who like, you know, like get an audible.com account, whatever the case may be. There are a lot of people still out there to this day who like the feel and the touch of a book in their hand. You can sell that. If you got some old stuff in the in the in your basement or your attic or wherever the case may be, try selling it on Craigslist or eBay or something along those lines. You know, I can tell you something that Gary V talks about people doing all the time. If you're if you if you have a company but you're cash strapped, what you do is you go out on Saturdays and you find uh, you know old trinkets and old magazines or whatever the case may be, right? You know, maybe you pay 25 cents for those magazines or whatever and sell them for a dollar on eBay or something like that. It's a 75% profit. Now, granted, there's other fees and stuff like that with eBay, but you get my you get my ultimate point. People are selling stuff at yard sales all the time. Take that, flip it, and then, you know, there you go. Easy peasy chocolate squeezy. There's some cash on hand for you. So think about that as well. Also, if you're familiar with like TaskRabbit, or tackle you can do like little odd jobs right you're ba- it's basically like you know and i hate to say this because everybody says this but like it's the uber of like task or whatever right it's like it's a way to get some cash really quickly to you know to you know help fund the business when it's in a slow lull or where the case may be tackle t-a-k-l and task rabbit you know t-a-s-k-r-a-b-b-i-t so think about those two things as well. Or you can deliver for Postmates. That's also another one, right? You know, people do that as well. Like some people, you know, flip real estate contracts. You know, that's not really my area of expertise, but I know some people who do that. That's another quick way to get some cash on hand. If you're a person who likes to create crafts like my wife or whatever the case may be, there's Etsy. People are always looking for artistic stuff on Etsy, but you can also sell those things on eBay and Craigslist as well, but Etsy is more so for like the artists. Like if you like to design throw pillows, if you like to design little trinkets or whatever the case may be, Etsy is a great place uh, to do that as well. Also, you know, there's um, there's Fiverr. There, you know, the like you know if you if you have a knack for like graphic design or web design or you want to do short audio clips for people or something like that, Fiverr is also a great way to kind of get some some uh some quick cash available see the thing is like i said guys like it's easy to make money in this country like i understand that there's people out there that feel like man it's so hard to you know make money and like how come you know he's getting a two million dollars for this and three billion dollars for that because people just went for it right it ain't it ain't hard right and sometimes you got to put yourself out there and take a few no's in order to get to that point but a lot of people are afraid to do that. They just really are. You can walk dogs. You can babysit. Care.com, you know, has a way to, you know, kind of find a babysitter. You can be a provider for babysitting. Photography. There are plenty of stock photo companies that are looking for just great shots of stuff. If you got a camera, hell, you got a smartphone. Go out and take some pictures. Shutterstock, iStockphoto.com. Try to see how much you get for them. You know, I think it's like a licensing thing or whatever. And the cool thing about though that option is that um, it's passive income, right? Just like the startup life is evergreen content, this is passive income. What I mean is, is like you put your photo up there and then people, you know, use it to license stuff. 
license, like for like a Facebook post or or a brochure or something, right? And so, like, once you snap that photo and upload, you never have to do anything again except collect a check or collect the cash or however, you know, you get the money. If you're a person who loves to work out or the case may be, you can be a personal trainer. People, look, there will always be a need for people to kind of, like, boost people's, you know, need to get fit or whatever the case may be. If you have uh, a really good grasp on, like, algebra or math or English or something like that, you could also tutor, you know. And if you're a teacher you know of some you know of, of i believe mainly of english but i think they accept um any subject there are kids across the globe needing to learn english if you're familiar with vipkid.com you know they you know you get on there you teach english for like three hours and that's it some people have made almost an extra two thousand dollars a month from vipkid.com just teaching english to, to kids who need English because the reason it's such a big commodity is because, you know, English is one of those biggest business languages. Biz, uh, English, um, English, Japanese, and Mandarin. English being the big one. It's becoming a really universal language. I would say probably, you know, because most people in America don't want to learn a new language, but that's neither here nor there, startup nation. But, you know, you know, you can house clean, you can do gardening for people. People always looking for like landscape and stuff. If you have an eye and a green thumb for designing somebody's flower bed, you can make some quick cash. You can probably do that on tackle and task rabbit as well. You know, home organizing, washing carpets, give blood. Now the give blood look, okay, like be mindful of your health. Don't go crazy, right? Because you don't want to feel all wobbly and stuff because you've given too much blood, right? Also, you know, if you if you living in a uh, not an apartment because you can't do that, but if you have like a house and you got a spare room, there's always Airbnb. Airbnb is also another great option to kind of get some cash, you know, on hand or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, if you got some clothes that you don't sell anymore, sell them. You know, sell them to a thrift shop. They're always looking for stuff, always looking for stuff. You know, if you're, you know, well knowledgeable in something, you can conduct a webinar. That's also an option. You know, go to web, you know, uh, go to webinar.com, webinar jam. That's also ways to, you know, get some quick cash in your hand, wash or detail cars, you know, or, you know, you can pawn some stuff. You can pawn some stuff as well. The point I'm trying to make, Startup Nation, that look like this whole notion that it's hard to make money in this country, you know, it's, it's just a farce. It's just not true. Now, if you want to make money in a certain way, either A, you can't do that, or B, it's going to take a little longer. But to say that it's hard to make money in this country, I'm sorry, it's just simply not true. If you're willing to be creative or you want to take some of the ideas I just shared with you here, Startup Nation, you can make some money and you can get some cash in your pocket pretty quickly. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying episode two of our inner uh, International Podcast Day commemoration uh, episode. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life.
If you are a teacher looking for great resources, look no further than our Teaching with Al section of our website. Enjoy great lessons such as our mini lesson for the story of an hour or dive into the Nixon presidency as part of our legacy series. Enjoy great peace of mind from our units as they are Common Core aligned. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So let's talk about debt. Now, I know part of you may want to turn off the startup life at this point or skip through this part of the episode, but trust me, you want to hear this episode and it's not going to be like there's something wrong with you. Look, most people in this country and around the world, but definitely in this country, have some form of debt, okay? And I know when we talk about, you know, like the national debt or the national deficit, which are two different things, by the way, Startup Nation. Um, But when we talk about debt, uh, there's a lot of negative connotations. Get out of debt, get out of debt quickly, consolidation loans to consolidate your debt, wherever the case may be. Well, the thing is, and I actually literally was giving this talk to the mentoring group that I uh, have every other Saturday, STS Enterprises, where we were talking about student loans and how to pay for college but you know particularly student loans where we talk about the difference between good debt and bad debt and what i was telling them is that just because well let me go back a little bit a lot of high schoolers when we talk to them about you know school and you know student loans whatever the case may be a lot of them say like look I ain't going to college. I ain't trying to get in student loan debt. Y'all tell me student loan debt is the devil or wherever the case may be, right? And so this is where I tell them, like, look, there's a difference between good debt and bad debt. Student loans can be a good debt. Now, if you, you know, obviously you want to get scholarships and grants first, but student loans, if that's your only option, is a good debt. Here's why. Because basically you're investing in yourself in the form of a college degree to make yourself employable, to get a, you know, to make a decent living or wherever the case may be. And so I know a lot of people say things about, you know, student debt, student loan debt. I'm still paying on my student loan debt. And here we are 30, 40 years later. Like I get it. But even if you were to default on your student loan payments, they can't take away your degree. And this is what I tell uh, rising juniors and rising seniors getting ready to think about going to college. There's nothing wrong with investing in, in yourself. There's nothing wrong with, you know, as we say, sharpening a saw, improving yourself, that professional development in you. Anytime you're developing yourself in a manner like that, that is a good debt. Now, the bad debt is when, let's say, you get that student loan you know, squaring away your tuition, room board, whatever the case may be, and then you get that $4,500 refund check from the bursar's office. That $4,500 refund, that's bad debt. That's one of those things where it's like you don't need that money, and so you can you should put that towards something else. So when we talk about paying for college you know, or technical school, wherever the case may be, a lot of times we think about student loan debt or whatever, but that's a good thing. It's always important to bet on yourself import yourself, pour into you to create new opportunities, to create a good paying job or wherever the case may be. Now, another form of good debt, and this is related to the student loan. Let's say you took that $4,500 and you decided to, you know, instead of like, you know, buying um, 
some new clothes or buying some new shoes or whatever the case may be. You could take that $4,500 and start a business. That turns that $4,500 bad debt into good debt. Now, you know, now granted, you know, as we all know, Startup Nation, you know, small business ownership can be risky and this and the other. But if you're willing to take the risk and try to create some type of revenue generating activity or business or company or whatever the case may be, that is a good debt. And outside of the, you know, student loan example, when you go to uh, your bank or some type of crowdfunding source and you use that money uh, to you know start a business, that's a good debt. If you get a ten thousand loan, ten thousand dollar loan from your you know uh, the bank of whoever, Wells Fargo or Bank of America, the case may be, that's a good debt because you're having you're using that debt with the intention of generating more revenue, more income, some gener- revenue generating activity, right? And a lot of times you can use that to create some serious wealth for yourself and your family or whoever, you know, this, that, and the other, you know, you know, couple that uh, college degree with, you know, your now your newly founded business. And this creates opportunity beyond your wildest dreams. You know, you know it's going to take you a minute to get it off the ground, obviously, but you know, you can, it can be a situation where you never have to worry about a job again. You never have to worry about some third party paycheck or somebody hiring you ever again, because one of the genius things about entrepreneurship and business ownership, whatever the case may be, you can't fire the owner. It's not possible. Now, people will say, well, Steve Jobs was fired from Apple. Steve Jobs was fired from Apple as the CEO. He was still the owner when he left. So that's an example of good debt. There, Not everything is considered like bad debt. There are good things. There are things that are debt. Another one, Real estate. Real estate is also something that you would invest in as far as good debt. And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, buying houses and flipping them or whatever the case may be. Even buying a home for yourself uh, is considered good debt. Now, there will be some who will say that it's not good debt and it's a lot like renting or whatever the case may be. I personally don't believe that. I personally don't ascribe to that notion. Because, you know, I, I, I can say now, you know, and I checked it the other day, like I bought a home and four years later, I've accrued $50,000 in equity, $50,000 in equity over four years. Now, that doesn't happen to everybody and housing markets fluctuate. But what I am saying is that you're not generating equity in renting an apartment. You're not generating equity in renting another house. So this is considered good debt. Now, you know, the other option could be you want to take houses and flip them or take houses and, and you know, purchase, get a loan and, and purchase those houses and rent them out. You could do that as well. That's good debt. And I know there's many of you out there thinking like good debt is oxymoron. It's not true. It's not true. Anytime you can, you borrow money to create some type of new opportunity or some type of revenue generate activity down the road, that is considered good debt. Another is investing, investing in the stock market, investing in mutual funds, investing in other businesses. That's good debt because you're trying to create that $10,000 loan into a hundred million dollars. That is good debt. Any, trust me, there is nobody on this planet who would not take that deal. 
borrow $20,000 to make $100 million, everybody, anybody would take that bet. You know, Warren Buffett talks about um, if you invested in, I think it was Coca-Cola, if you invested $40 in Coca-Cola in 1941, that you would you would have, I believe, $8.1 million in the bank today. Because most of that, you're just, you're, you're, you're basically, and you're getting like, what, $40,000 a year living, you know, in interest that you're earning? And you're basically just living off the interest. That is good debt. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, with all the examples that I gave you, right? Like, there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees. Like, you know, take the, the student loan, going to school approach, right? Just because you got a degree doesn't guarantee you a job. It just doesn't. And in this age of AI and, you know, and, you know, uh, technological advances, you know, changing the workforce, that's becoming ever so present, even to the point where you have certain 2020 presidential hopefuls advocating for a human living uh, assistance, uh, not wage, but uh, a, like a living assistance stipend, like $1,000, $1,500 a month. Because some people who decided to maybe not necessarily uh, sharpen the saw, work on their craft, you know, do professional development, they're getting left out of the out of the job force, literally by, you know, by tech. So just because you get a degree, which is a valuable thing, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a guarantee. It's still good debt because you're acquiring a skill, but it doesn't mean it guarantees you a job or whatever the case may be. And then you also have to think about how, you know, you know tuition is constantly rising. But what you know what's also constantly rising is tuition-free options for people in schools around the country. Small business ownership, I don't need to tell you those risks. You know the risk. You no. Know, uh when you start in a business venture, you know, there there you get some bad bounces and it kind of wrecks your confidence and then you close doors, this, that, and the other. So I don't need to beat that to the ground. And sometimes real estate itself can be a money pit. It can. Because just because you buy some houses doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to flip them. Now, you may be able to flip them in this day and age because it's really, it really is a seller's market out there, which is why I currently sit on $50,000 in equity in this house. But the thing is, is that, you know, real estate as well is still risky. Just because you have the house doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to flip them or you're going to be able to find a renter to fill that space. Investing is the same way. Just because you invest in Nike or you invest in some company doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be, you know, a millionaire tomorrow. It's not how this works. I just gave you that example, you know, that Warren Buffett about Coca-Cola and $40. But what does that also remind you of? The delayed gratification mindset that we talked about earlier from 1941 to today. $8.1 million, 40 years. I mean, sorry, $40, 1941 and now. Okay. Delayed mindset, delayed gratification mindset. So when we talk about debt, like I said, Startup Nation, there are, there's good debt and there's bad debt. We're going to get into the bad debt in just a second. But just because you have debt doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. It really doesn't. Now, what does bad debt look like? Well, for starters, cars. Cars, you know, buying a car and, you know, this end here, uh, buying a car is bad debt. It just is. Now, it's one of those things that is more often than not necessary, right? You could save and, you know, save your money, save, you know, 
15, 19, you know, 20,000, 25,000, 30,000 dollars to buy a car. And that's great. And you walk in there, that gives you negotiating power to buy the car outright. You don't have to pay the sticker price or whatever the case may be because now you have leverage because you take that cash somewhere else, wherever the case may be. But for most people, it's a necessary evil to have that debt. You got to get to work. You got kids, got to get them back and forth to school and their activities, wherever the case may be. You want to go out, wherever the case may be. Now, granted, you got Uber and Lyft and you can just do that all over the place. But sometimes you want to get behind the wheel because something about being behind the wheel gives you this independence. It gives you this this notion of like, I can go whenever I want, wherever I want, whenever I want. And a little bit of that is the kid in you like, man, when I get a grown up, I'm going to go everywhere. And now that I'm an adult, I hate driving. I just do. That's why I Uber as much often as I can. But that's neither here nor there, Startup Nation. Like I said, buying a car is bad debt, but it's one of those things that is necessary for most people because you have day-to-day things that you need to do. Clothes, consumables, goods, and services. Clothes and consumables. That's bad debt. You should not be buying clothes on a credit card. I'm sorry. It, 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 you know, just because it looks nice and this that, and the other, and it gives you confidence. Because if you, if you, what's the thing? If you, if you look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you know, you play good. And if you play good, they pay good. That's a Deion Sanders quote. That's not me. And I get it. And sometimes you got to buy clothes on credit card for work and this that, and the other. And you need a suit, whatever the case may be. I get it. One, once again, it's a necessary evil. It's a necessary debt. Doesn't mean it's good debt, though. It's still bad debt because every every piece of interest that you're spending is on something that can't do anything for you, really. It just can't. I mean, it can give you that confidence looking good as any other. But outside of that, it doesn't give you anything tangible. It can't make you any money. And, you know, and I'm not saying that's a money pit, but, you know, it, it really just this thing that just sits there. And then after a while, you know how clothes and cars get. After a while, they'll have new clothes and cars. You want to get those things. Then you get more and more debt. Right. So it's a necessary evil, but it's not good debt. Credit cards are not good debt either. They're just not because like mo- nine times out of 10, you're buying something in retail, whether it be a couch or clothes like you just talked about or video games, which is one thing that I like to you know purchase or whatever the case may be but it's not good debt and let me be you know let me break this down to you let me put my banker hat on for a second so when we talk about credit cards and interest rates or just you know interest rates in general on things usually the bigger the item the smaller the interest rate is for example for a house an interest rate could be like 4.75%. For a car, the interest rate could be like between 11 12%. For a credit card, it's usually like 18%, 22%. You know, a good credit card, like you got like immaculate credit, even an immaculate credit, like A1, super A1, super, super A1 credit, 12%. 12% interest rate because they're, they're trying to get as most money from you as possible, Right? Now, granted, like on a house or whatever the case may be, 4.75% don't sound like a whole lot. But 4.75% on $200,000 is a whole lot, right? So keep so know that when you think about interest rate, whatever the case may be. But we're talking about credit cards. Credit cards sometimes is a necessary evil, but, you know, it's not good debt. I, you know, I listened to 
uh, Cynthia Daniels and her grind set podcast just the other day. And she was talking to Andrea Johnson, founder and CEO of the bubble bistro. And you know, she was talking about that. She used credit cards to fund her business. That makes it good debt because she was using the credit card to fund this business venture that she had. That makes it good debt. But when you use your credit card on like things that's consumables and whatever the case may be, that's not good debt. It's not a necessary evil, but it's not good debt. All in all, Sardar Nation, you know, when it comes to good versus bad debt, you just need to know your lifestyle, understand what you're trying to do, you know, whether it be get a, you know, get a job, start a business, buy a home, wherever the case may be. It really is up to you, Startup Nation, not me. It really is up to you to define what's good debt, what's bad debt, and everything in between. Startup Nation, when we hear the word capitalism, it, it invokes a lot of different responses, emotions, you know, wherever the case may be. And I get it. I, I really do. Now, you know, you know, very well, Startup Nation, I'm a capitalist, self-proclaimed capitalist. I like the idea of not just making money, but the idea that like you have the ability to create something out of nothing and have people pay for it. Right. But, you know, on the flip side, however, I do believe that there are certain avenues or certain things that, you know, that capitalism shouldn't rear its head in like for starters healthcare. I don't think healthcare belongs in I mean I'm sorry, I don't believe healthcare um capitalism belongs in healthcare, sorry. I don't believe capitalism belongs in healthcare. I just don't. We're talking about taking care of people and band aids caught like one band aid costing ten dollars. Like that's that's outrageous. Another thing I think capitalism doesn't belong in education. It doesn't belong in education. You know, because it's basically like people who you basically determine determining this kid can get a better education because they have the means to pay for one as opposed to this kid. And I think every kid has the right to a very good education. I do. Now, if a parent wants to enhance something that's already, that's over the baseline because to give their kid an extra advantage, I have no issue with that. I don't. But the sheer fact that you, somebody can pay for a great education but just because somebody else doesn't have the ability to pay, they can't get a great education. I think that's a problem. I think that's a problem. So I really think there are pros and cons to capitalism, even to a self-professed capitalist. Number one is that it encourages innovation. Capitalism is a dog eat dog world, right? It's, you know, the, the self-regulation or little regulations in place forces you to be creative, forces you to be innovative. And I think the marketplace as a whole really does uh, benefit from that innovation. It really does. Like if if there was no, if you know, if, if capitalism wasn't in its purest form in this regard, in this regard only, I think you would have everybody doing the same thing. And that's no, that's boring. Burger King wouldn't be forced to have a better Whopper than McDonald's Big Mac. That's because of the innovation, right? Another thing, you know, that which speaks me to my next thing, capitalism promotes self-regulation. I don't think there are a lot of needs for regulation in the marketplace. I think there's a need for some. Somebody being ordained to be successful is just like, I don't believe in that. 
That, that's absurd. I believe in the fact that if you work hard and this and the other, you create something. And I think that you need to have the ability to do that. Now, granted, don't get me wrong. Like there are holes in that logic. Trust me. I Trust me when I say that there's holes in that logic. But, you know, at its base purest form, I, I don't think there needs to be much regulation. It's just, you know, because I think that stymies growth. I think that stymies innovation. I just believe that. And I know I have a lot of friends who are, you know, self-identified liberals that, you know, they, they abhor that notion. And I get it because there's been a lot of things that's been, you know, that's been, you know, used for capitalist gains and like like I said, healthcare and education, those two come to mind. But for the most part, I, I don't you know, I think self regulation is a good thing. I think, you know, as long as it's not hurting somebody and there's, you know, fair competition, then I think that's okay. It also capitalism leads to wider ranges of products and services. We talked about the innovation piece, right? Okay, so McDonald's has the Big Mac, Burger King has the Whopper, right? And so after that, like, you know, what else can I use to entice them? Maybe I have these kind of cut fries. Maybe I have that kind of cut fries. Maybe I, you know, want to add, you know, uh, an apple pie. You know, then maybe Burger King wants to counter McDonald's apple pie with an apple pie with sugar on top. With like literal sugar on top, Right. That's what you get with capitalism. You're not getting that in a society or in a in a market to where everybody just does, you know, the same thing. You're, not, you're just not getting that. I'm sorry. Now, where does capitalism, you know, go wrong or have the cons, whatever the case may be? A lot of times in capitalism, you know, it, it's it needs consumption in order to thrive. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Because, it, you know, if, if, if we're all just consuming, then we're not innovating. And if we're not innovating, we're not moving forward as a society. So when you talk about capitalism or whatever the case may be, you know, and it needs consumption, that's not necessarily a good thing. Another reason why capitalism isn't a good thing is because it puts the needs of the business before a person. You know, it goes back to my healthcare education argument. Is it's one of those things where it's like somebody who's down on their luck should not be have to pay ten dollars for a band aid, thirty dollars for two aspirin, right? You know, pharmaceuticals companies get away with murder when they do these things, and then they have the power to hire lobbyists to make sure that they can keep the status quo status quo in place. That's not a good thing. Now, when I talk about the cons of capitalism, you may think, you know, that I'm being, you know, hypocritical from literally two seconds ago. But what I am advocating for is that, and what I've always advocated for is that life requires balance. Honestly, you know, the U.S., you know, is so consumed with capitalism, but it really doesn't need capitalism as much as it had in the past. When you think about the the Industrial Revolution and the Gilded Age, whatever the case may be, and you know, and the, that period after, right after the Civil War, America needed capitalism, which is still a baby country, by the way. Keep in mind, France and Spain, those countries have been been around for a very long time. The U.S. has has only been around not even three hundred years yet, so it's still a baby country, believe it or not, startup nation. 
And so we needed capitalism to kind of spur growth. We needed to spur that growth to grow a nation, to grow, you know, our economy. But as we get more mature as a society and as an economy, we don't need capitalism as much. We don't need to spur a ton of growth. I'm not saying don't spur any growth. What I am saying is that it's not at the level that we needed back in the railroad age. It's like, it's not, you know, it's just not needed. It's just not, you know, uh, another thing in capitalism that, you know, equal opportunities can be brief and fleeting. They truly can. Like there's, there's not as much, you know, uh, opportunities because just like when I talk about the robots, the tech or wherever the case may be, it's a situation where you can have, think of a prime example. When you think of the auto industry to where you know about 60 to 75 percent of the workforce has been vastly reduced by robots and so those opportunities aren't there anymore because like we don't need them and that goes back to putting the business needs over people's needs you know and so now what are those people going to do they could go back to school but a lot of times they, they depended on that job to be there for like 20, 30 years, just like their parents, you know, had that job for 20, 30 years. So what do they do? What do they do? Last but not least, when we talk about the delayed gratification mindset, as we talked about in the second segment of the show, um, you have to understand in entrepreneurship that the money comes last. It always comes last because it's supposed to come last. And so when you're thinking about starting a company and, and scaling a company, wherever the case may be, there's three things that you need to keep in mind. Networking, reminding, and staying on your spot. Networking, reminding, and staying on your spot. What do I mean by that? You got to get the word out there that, you're, that you exist. That's where the networking comes in. If you got an idea or or some type of business venture, nobody knows you're there unless you go meet people. And keep in mind what I said in uh, our networking episode. People only buy things from people that they know and trust. So if you don't go out there and meet people, they're not going to trust you and they're not going to buy anything from you. But once you network with them, you know, and you get a business card, exchange emails, whatever the case may be, you have to remind them of what you do ever so often. Add them to their email list. Add them to, you know, your your text chain or wherever you, you know, type of marketing that you use, right? You have to remind them that, they, that you do what they do so that way when they need you, you'll be there. And they know they can come to you because they've always been reminded by you that this is what you do. You got to let them know that. And then lastly, not least, you got to stay on your spot. You got to stay on your spot. If you keep constantly chasing the dollar, you will never catch it. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Imagine a circle, okay? No, nice big round circle. Now put a dot on one of the parts of that circle. It can be at the top, the bottom, left, right, southwest quadrant, northeast quadrant, doesn't matter. Put a dot on your circle. Now what I want you to do is to think about something. That dot is you starting your business. That's day one, year one of you starting your business. Let's say you're selling cupcakes because apparently that's what I like to talk about on this show. In Startup Nation, if you ever want to send me some cupcakes, send me an email, send me a Facebook 
you know, requests or I mean, Facebook post or whatever the case may be. And I'll gladly accept those cupcakes, by the way. But anyway, uh, day one, year one of your company is that dot. So you start that company and, you know, people are there at that dot with you. And you say, yeah, I started this company. Like, oh, yeah, great. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Tell me about it. And people are all excited about it. They're excited for you, wherever the case may be. But slowly but surely, they start to go around and they start to leave that dot behind. And you remind them every so often, you know, that, you know, you're still doing the business, wherever the case may be. But they're starting to get further and further away from that dot. You're staying on your dot. You're not moving this any wherever the case may be. They're moving, moving moving going around that circle and then you don't you start not to hear from them as much they start not to ask about the business or whatever the case may be right and then that point where you're literally on your side of the circle and they're directly on the opposite end of the circle that's the part in your business cycle to where it's radio silence they have forgotten about you they have moved on or whatever the case may be they still got your business card. They still get the emails that you send out or wherever the case may be. So they start moving again around that circle. They're coming a little bit closer to you. You get a random email or random phone call out of the blue. Like, hey, I got this party that, you know, that I'm trying to put together. You know, can you send me a quote or something? I think I may want to go with you and get some cupcakes. Right. And so now they're moving closer and closer back to you and that dot you know they're not close they're not there yet but they're close and they send you another voice like hey this looks great you know i think i may want to move forward with this um what does your schedule look like on i don't know october 15th of this year send them scheduled is that any other and then they decide you know they move closer and closer to that dot they're almost there but they're not there yet and comes, you know, day before, like they send you a, they send you a check in the mail and, you know, you get, you know, you cash that check, you do the services, boom, bam, boom. There you go. They're back at your dot. Now, when you think about that dot startup nation, think about if when you were on your spot on that circle and they was on the opposite end, what if you had moved? What if you had went, gotten discouraged and you start like, you know, trying to do other stuff, right? Because... If you start moving your dot, you're you're actually moving away from the person that's thinking about doing business with you. Right. And the thing is, in actuality, there's multiple dots on that circle. But for the purpose of this example, I want to just give you just that one person moving on that circle. But what if you had moved? What if you had moved on to something else and that person was ready to do business with you? And that's what it means to stay on your on your spot, startup nation. You have to stay on your spot because if you once again, if you keep chasing money, you will never catch it. So if you stay in your spot and you hone your craft and you focus on your cupcakes and your cupcakes alone, eventually that person is going to come back around. Or if not that person, they're going to refer who they know to you. But if you move off that spot, you're going to miss them. You are going to miss them. So here's my final take. Money is a funny thing, but just like anything else in life, there's a game and a strategy to acquire it. You have to understand the delayed gratification mindset in order to appreciate it. And you always know that like, even when you start a company startup nation, there's always supplemental activities that you can do to kind of help fund the overall 
main core business, if you will, right? Not necessarily starting another company, but like little activities like side hustles, if you will, to make sure that the core hustle, the business, stays afloat. And also, Startup Nation, just remember about the dynamic of good versus bad debt. Not every perceived good debt is good. Not every perceived bad debt is bad. And also think about the pros and cons of capitalism, okay? Capitalism isn't a dirty word. It's a means to an end. You can use that means to your advantage and leverage it, or you can get crushed by it. That's the dog-eat-dog world of capitalism. And last but not least, Startup Nation, just remember, when you're starting your company and you're trying and you're getting frustrated and you're trying to figure out a strategy to get those those dollars moving, get that cash register ringing. Remember the three things. Networking, let them know that you exist. Remind them. Re- keep reminding them. Keep letting them know that you exist. And stay on your spot. Because if you stay on your spot, they will come back around. It's just going to take a little bit, but they will come back around and they will do business with you. And even if it's not the person that you originally networked with, they may refer you to other people who are looking for what you do. Because remember what I say, if one person likes what you do, 50,000, 100,000 people like what you do. They just haven't found you yet. And if you move off your spot, they won't ever find you. And I believe if you remember all these things, Startup Nation, you will win the money game. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Startup Life. I just want to say once again, thank you, Startup Nation. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. And I hope you enjoyed this special presentation for International Podcast Day. You know, don't forget to check out uh, episode 76, How to Win a Pitch Competition. And I hope you really enjoyed uh, the money game. It's one of those things where if you know the rules and you know the strategy, you can win at this thing. I guarantee it. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a new way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. To subscribe to the show, as it can now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.